Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Mel. And I'm Janet. Hello, ABGs and APBs. This month, we are focusing on the topic of self-exploration. And as we near the end of October and edge closer to the spooktacular day of Hollow's Eve, otherwise known as Halloween, we thought it would be appropriate to dedicate an episode to our greatest fears. This is where I put spooky music. (laughs) According to the Paul Ekman Group, um, fear is one of the seven universal emotions experienced by everyone around the world. Fear arises with the threat of harm, either physical, emotional, or psychological, real or imagined. While traditionally considered a negative emotion, fear actually serves an important role in keeping us safe as it mobilizes us to cope with potential danger. So today, we're going to discuss everything from surface-level phobias to deeply significant life fears. Are we ready to enter the haunted house of ABG? <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Janet. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to start off with kind of a more lighthearted question about fear. Ladies, what is a fear or phobia that you currently have that you think is kind of silly? Maybe one one or more. I'll go first. Okay. I think this might be also Mel's fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear of birds. <laughs> yep. My old Asian grandpa. So he used to put like wine and rice out for birds, I think, to try and catch them. Or maybe that was just like his form of entertainment at that age. Um, but he would attract birds to our porch and I just like hated that. And I think it's the grossest thing ever. Sorry for all you bird lovers out there. <laughs> but you know how in like Chinese cuisine, sometimes they have pigeon. Yeah. yeah. I never eat that because I'm like, oh, Ew. That's nasty. yes. Um, another fear that I have is that I do not like things with holes in them. So people oh, call this tryptophobia. tryptophobia. Yeah. Yes. Um, it just makes me feel like really squeamish and uncomfortable when I see it. And I think the theory around tryptophobia is that this is like an evolutionary response. This is what I read. And it's kind of interesting because people have a fear of like infectious conditions like parasites and diseased skin, which can be characterized by holes and bumps. Mm. So it's almost like when you see it, you have like a nasty Natural. reaction to yeah. it, mm. which I found 
pretty oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, I had um, a sweetmate in college who discovered she had that fear, and she discovered it because she's like, she would microwave mac, mac and cheese, and she's like, and the way that the pastas would pop up perfectly in line with uh, like the uh, pattern of holes, yeah. <laughs> she, was, she oh. would freak out. F. <laughs> that's funny, though. That's, funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to discover your fear ah. through food. Yeah. <laughs> How about for you, Mel? You've definitely hit the same fear. I hate birds. And for me, um, I think it comes from uh, my grandpa when we were younger. He'd have, he used to have a garden in our backyard. And I, was, I also had a plastic slide in my backyard, so I go play. And there's a couple times I went to the backyard and I step on my first step of the slide and there's a dead bird. <gasps> so it freaked me out. And there's another time, I remember, he had this big kind of tub of water he used to water the plants. And I would play in the tub. Like, they like to play with water. I didn't have a pool, so that was my pool. There's one time I wanted to go into the little tub and there's another dead bird there. So just like ever since then, I've been afraid. And even feathers freak me out a little bit maybe because of the texture. But there's so many times where we're eating lunch outside. You guys know. And there's a bird that flies in. I literally get like paralyzed. It just really freaks me out. You guys also know that I'm a fantasizer. I have this I play this fake scenario in my head that that hopefully never happens. My worst fear with birds is that like back in the day, maybe in the 90s, like you know during Thanksgiving, they'll be like, oh, there'll be a news reporter in like a turkey farm. You're like the turkeys mm. are like all prime and fresh, and he's like literally in the middle like of hundreds of turkeys just talking. Mm-hmm. That would be my worst fear if you put me in that freaking farm surrounded by turkeys. Like turkeys are literally. <laughs> Turkeys and ostrich really freak me out. Mm, like because they're just, of their size? Yeah, they're big-ass birds. Like, they're... <laughs> birds, they're, like, just their head freaks me out. Also, because, Helen, remember you said pigeon? Yeah. I think also isn't really common in Chinese cuisine that the, people order, like, boiled chicken. They always put the head yeah. on the yeah, plate. Yeah. My grandma... My grandma's such a lover, but she knows I'm afraid, so I'll sit there. She'll grab the head and, like, try to, like, yeah. put it in my face <laughs> as a joke. I'm just like, oh, my God, you're so mean. <laughs> um... So for me, it's, yeah, definitely uh, birds. How about you, Janet? Mm, interesting. Okay. I, mine is, I guess, kind of, it's, it is animal related. Um, and you ladies both know this. Uh, I have a somewhat irrational fear of sea animals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, and it, it ranges everything from, I mean, I guess the one experience that comes to mind is, like, you know, when you're younger and you go to SeaWorld and there's Shamu is like the main attraction there. There's like the big pool area with the stadium, but then you go underneath the stadium and they have that like, you know, it's like a six foot tall and then maybe like three foot deep glass mm-hmm. that separates you from the giant killer whale, by the way, the name's Killer Whale. <laughs> and, you know, when you want to snap pictures with your family, my uncle or my mom would always be like, Wait for the wait for Shamu to come swim by behind you, and then we'll take the picture. And I'm standing there, like there's this giant. I don't know how, like twelve foot. Like if that animal was on land, that would like you would be freaked the fuck out, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think it's bigger than twelve. It's like huge, like maybe twenty feet or something. Yeah. Yeah, right. And. And it was just like, why are we all so like fond of this giant beast thing? And why? <laughs> and I always thought like when we were watching the show, I'm like, if I ever fell into that water, I would just freak out. Even if the the whale was all the way on the other side. Yeah. Even the idea of like swimming with dolphins, like people think that's like so paradise. And I was just like, no, I would yeah. freak freak out. Um, so there's that large animals and then yeah like when we went paddle boarding like I had kind of this like adverse reaction to even though we it was like a man-made like lake or bay but they put like stingrays and stuff in there I have to just like close my mind off of it because I've been able I've been in other situations where I had to go in deep water and there's like animals there but if I think too much about it I get like really really yeah I don't know it just <laughs> where does it come from I think it is logically um imagining myself being in water where I'm not 
familiar. And mm. I actually, like, I took swim lessons. I can swim and I'm fine, but it's not my natural habitat, right? Mm. So I think being out of your comfort zone and being next to an animal where that is, like, they can swim very fast. They're very agile mm-hmm. there. I think that just makes me feel very out of place. Mm. I don't I, I don't think anything actually ever happened. I could, it, may, it could have also just been, like, through TV and movies as a child. I probably yeah. saw things like... like Free Willy? Yeah. <laughs> I did watch that movie. I mean, they didn't prompt fear, but, like, and maybe things like sharks, like mm. shark movies yeah. and things like Jaws, that. Jaws, yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. Ooh. That's so interesting because as Jan is talking, I was like, I love orcas. As a kid, I love killer whales. Yeah, I yeah and so I, cool. I'm like pretty fond of birds, so <laughs> like maybe just... Hell fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a fun question. Would you rather be stuck in an elevator or on a broken ski lift? For me, I would rather be stuck on a broken ski lift. Mm. Um, I think the older I get, the more claustrophobic I get. So if there are times mm. when I'm in an elevator, I kind of, I will freak out. I'm just yeah. like, oh my God, like, I think I could feel the walls closing in. And I didn't feel this way as it, when I was younger, but at least with a ski lift, I'm like, oh, there's a view. I just can't fall, you know? Like, <laughs> I can't slip down. Mm. Yeah, how about you both? Um, I actually had the opposite answer. I would prefer being stuck in an elevator, um, which I actually have been. <laughs> I, like in college when, uh, when I was... Uh, going into a hip-hop dance performance our entire team rushed into this like tiny I think it was like a six-person max elevator and we had like 12 people in there because we were rushing to the performance and it was only going up like one one floor but because we maxed out the weight and we were in such a rush we got stuck in between the floors and we were in there for probably about almost an hour (gasps) with like 12 people and it was like claustrophobic and I remember feeling uncomfortable, but it wasn't because I knew that we weren't going to drop. Like, it was only a one-floor elevator. It was, like, fine. But there are people definitely in there that started freaking out. Oh, yeah. But I actually, I would rather do the elevator because there's something about being on a ski lift where you're so open. Because the ski lift is not, it's only you in a bar, right? And if I was, like, 20 feet up, mm. I the fear of falling, I think that would freak me out more. Versus in an elevator, I don't directly see any danger. Mm-hmm. And I think I could, like, kind of just close my eyes and kind of peace out for a while until someone like comes i don't know how about you helen i think my question would be how broken is the ski lift because i've definitely been on Mm. ski lifts where they stopped it yeah and there's like a malfunction going on and you're kind of just like sitting there and like mel you were saying i kind of enjoy the view i'm like okay this is the moment for me to be like in silence and i don't Mm -hmm. have to like talk to anyone you know like it's kind of it's kind of nice versus i think in an elevator i would also feel especially if there's 12 people with me if one person starts to freak out and start sweating and start smelling (laughs) then like there's no air (laughs) like ew and i'm also thinking like if both the ski lift and the elevator is at risk of falling and they're from high places I think I would rather have my last moments be with a view versus mm-hmm. like falling on an elevator and just having it and just like feeling like it's going to crash and yeah. you don't know mm-hmm. when it's going to crash either. Well, that's true. The unknown. Versus yeah. the ski lift is like, all right, see. three, two, one. Uh. <laughs> For Helen, I think, yeah, like being in a vast open space, like the fresh, crisp air, I think will wake me up and feel energized versus like, here I am in a musty space and I'm stuck mm. breathing the same air for an hour. I would freak out. Yeah. Mm. Let's hope none of that happens. Yeah, let's hope that's all hypothetical. <laughs> Knock on, is there what? Knock on. <laughs> all right, the next question is, would you rather live forever or die early? Mm. At first, I thought hypothetically it'd be hard to choose because I think there is something about infinity that can freak people out, right? Like to have to live forever. And then it's also very, it's like tragic to think that you could only live for a short amount of time. But then when I consider my personality, I think that I would choose to live forever because I think having, if I knew that I had finite time here, the tendency to want to jam pack everything in, something about that just feels a little exhausting to me and like unfulfilling Mm. versus having to deal with the needing patience and like, kind of just learning to deal with 
infinity i i don't know something about that Mm. to me feels like a better fit Mm -hmm. yeah how about you ladies i feel like this is a very like morbid question (laughs) i think i would definitely choose the living forever like there was no question in my head and because i think the opposite of choosing to die early is like well what is the meaning what is the purpose of life if you don't want if you would rather Mm -hmm. have it end sooner than actually experience the Mm -hmm. one thing that we actually have which is life Mm. So I think like all the times that I've traveled to to different places in the world, I'm just so also amazed at how vastly different this world is and how big it is. And I think I always think to myself, I wish I had the time and the money and the resource to see every single part of this world and to actually understand people's feelings and cultures and, and everything and, and truly to understand it. And it, it makes me like really sad to know that I will never get that feeling because there's just mm. not enough time. Mm. So for me, I think I would want to live forever and hopefully my significant other will be there with me too and i'm not so that alone. would be the thing is that it wouldn't people would pass in and out of yeah, yeah yeah and you'd have to see all of the tragedies of war but you'd also get to see all the like beauties of yeah. the best times that, i mean yeah that that's what makes the question tough mm-hmm. but i think i would for sure choose the uh the living forever one how about for you mel i actually chose to die early i had two things go on my mind one this is sounds like a korean drama that i watched that uh one of the guys one of my favorite dramas um, Goblin, y'all, if you watch Goblin, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he lives forever. And mm. I think for me, I think I the first thing that thought of was like, I don't want to see my loved ones constantly die. I think it's really sad mm. to me. When I think about living, like what's my purpose? I, I love connection. And so I'd rather be sure I have a short period of time that it's like full of love and compassion connection and, and say I had I lived a really good life. Not a long life, but I lived a good life. And I think mm. I'd be happy with that. Because I think about little things like, I remember in um, college, I was a transfer student, and I I used to think, like, man, I wish I was here for four years instead of two, but those two years I was there was freaking amazing and life-changing that I'm like, I don't regret it, and I walked away feeling, like, so fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I think about if I were here any longer, I may not have that feeling. If all my time left on Earth is very limited but felt like gold, I'd rather take that than live forever and see people, like, come in and out. I think that would actually hurt me more. It's a great perspective on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Another question, what do you think is worse? If you had to relive the same very embarrassing moment every single year or um, having to face a new semi-embarrassing moment every year? Mm. I think, for, and you're the same person, right? And you're, mm. I would say this one felt easy for me too. I would say live the same one every year because I, I feel like I, I'd be the type of person that's, uh, that would learn and grow a callus to it mm-hmm. and I would figure out a different perspective than to be embarrassed by it especially if I'm facing it every year so yeah yeah that's, that's my short answer that's how about ladies I said the same thing I'd rather be prepared for the embarrassing moment versus like oh shit a new one because I yeah. know the feeling of like I'm not gonna lie I have did some pretty embarrassing things you could give me alcohol and sometimes the night goes you know you're like the next day you're like oh did you know you did that you're like i'm like oh and i get so ashamed like i get really embarrassed and i'm like i hate that feeling so if i know that exactly what's going to happen i'm like all right i can alleviate that like ashamed and embarrassment feeling a little bit more so same as helen i would relive the same thing how about you so i initially had also chosen to live the same very embarrassing moment versus having to face a new less embarrassing moment every year but then i ended up changing my answer um And the reason why is because uh, similar to Helen, I thought like if it's the same, even if it was like incredibly embarrassing, I think over time, if it's happening annually, you'll build up a tolerance for it, right? But I think 
if it was like a semi-embarrassing, meaning it doesn't kill you and it, it isn't horrible, I think I, it would force me to have to learn to kind of go with the flow more and mm. to release like um, being anxious and, and to have to kind of like learn to build resilience more. But of course, there's always a chance that it would go in the other direction. I just turn into a nervous mess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, my hope was, okay, if it would push me to be someone who would then kind of live for the moment a little bit more and and that could potentially have a net positive in my outlook in life maybe i would choose that woo woo <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding that is a very strong perspective to have about embarrassing moments i'm like nah just give me that one same, same. <laughs> let me tell people that it's coming so yeah. i can warn and people warn, that yeah. it's coming how about what is a place that you fear like a physical location so i couldn't name a specific location so i just named a specific time i said i get scared during the nighttime almost anywhere from alone because you never know what can happen and mm. i feel like i i feel like i feel this more in the u.s than i do in asia hmm. oh interesting why i is feel that? i don't know i feel safer in asia maybe because when i'm in taiwan or in tokyo i feel like the city is feels alive and like awake uh. longer and there's always people on the streets so mm. i'm not alone i remember i used to take comfort when i was um, staying in Taiwan that at night when I go to sleep I could still hear the cars honking mm. and moving so I'm just yeah, cool yeah. like the city's still awake yeah I don't feel this in New York but like in California I feel people go to sleep at a certain time yeah if I'm alone and by myself in the dark I get really really scared because you don't know what's gonna happen I think also we consume a lot of American media where like shit happens to women mm-hmm. and and also in real life that you're like mm. you, you ha- kind of have to be protective of yourself as a woman so yeah that's that's my fear mm. that's actually a lot of why I was uh, drawn towards like city type settings mm. um, and I mm. like that the energy of being able to feel like at any given time of day there are people around you yeah um, I also did not have a specific place but I would say a type of place I really do not like dark and dingy spaces mm. um, if I have to be there for long and frequent periods of time I think I've said this before but I'm like really highly sensitive to spaces that I have to spend a lot of time in so for example like offices that don't have windows or like my bedroom in New York City that had one window that looked into the center of the courtyard of the building and out in like no light (laughs) I think if it's like a space that I have to live in Mm -hmm. a lot and it's like not a lot of natural light or if there's if it's musty or if it's really disorganized it really affects my mood Mm. so that would be for for me how about you Helen um the only place that I could really think of was hospitals Mm. Um, I think you're never really there for a good reason. Like something needs to not be going well or normally for you or someone else that you care for for you to be there. And Mm. even if it's like someone having a baby, which is a beautiful thing, it's also hella scary Mm -hmm. um, having like sat through my sister's birth and seeing that there could be so many just like random complications and doctors running in. And it's just like you just never know what might happen, you know. And I never felt comfortable going to the hospital. And I still have Mm. very dark memories of just visiting or good last last memories too of visiting visiting my grandpa there but also just never knowing like when Mm. would be the last moment so hospitals i do not like going to at all that sounds like a good answer but that is a very reasonable one i didn't think about because it is yeah you're right you go there for not for really fun reasons yeah Yeah. you don't go there if things are going fine yeah yeah all right so the next question is who is a person you fear and why I would say I have a fear for, and this is probably almost everyone, but um, serial killers. And (laughs) But here's why, right? Not so much of the, I mean, yes, the killing part, but uh, people like Ted Bundy, who their stories, like they're so unassuming. Mm. The fact that there's such a psychological twist to them, right? That it could just be anyone that you know walking down the street Mm -hmm. and that they could do something so gruesome. Mm. That to me is 
I guess the unknown of that is like really um, kind of terrifying. Mm. The That's other, why I'm always like, "F strangers, don't say hi to me." <laughs> yeah, I used to say hi to everyone in the elevator, and now I'm just like, "Nope." Right, you gotta have your defenses up. Yeah, I still smile at people. Actually, now that I think about it, that makes no sense. <laughs> be, be mean. <laughs> just kidding, listeners like out there. Don't, all, don't yeah. be mean. <laughs> ABGs, but also ABGs don't be just there. like friendly to everyone. For you know, true. be smart about it. Yes, I guess. be smart. Um, the second type of person that I have a fear for is actually. If I really like you, and this is, like, so kindergarten and, like, you know, immature or elementary, but I think there's still something about, like, the butterflies that, to me, still feel like fear. Oh. So if it's someone I have, like, a lot of feelings for, because I'm I'm afraid that I'm going to do something <laughs> or you're going to see something you don't like and then that I'm going to be fear of not being liked. I don't know. By, by someone that I have feelings for. That makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. then they can kind of control these like, yeah, they have a lot of mm. emotions. Yeah, they yeah. have a lot of power. I think for me, I couldn't think of someone for this one because um, I, I thought about like my parents and definitely not my friends and mm-hmm. not even people I don't like or people that have like done me wrong in the past. I don't fear them. Um, I know I would get nervous meeting certain people that I super admire, but there's no level of like fear there, right? Mm. I think the person that I would fear most would actually be myself. Because mm. I'm the only one that can really control my thoughts and my actions and how I feel. And sometimes I have difficulty separating sort of like my ego with my soul. So your ego is sort of like the image of yourself and your social mask and your inner dialogue, which can be extremely critical. And it also dictates how much you sort of like weigh your worth versus your soul, which is sort of like your gut feeling about things, this like intuition and inner voice. Um, and one that can really make you feel fearless and feel empowered. And sometimes I let like my ego side win, and that is the the Helen that I fear. So, yeah, I think I'm the only person that that I can really fear. Dark. <laughs> How about for email? So I also had um, difficulty figuring out who I was afraid of because I was thinking about people I actually know, and I was like, I'm not afraid of anyone that's currently in my life. But like Helen, I said, I'd be nervous meeting certain people that I like look up to or anticipate meeting because then I'd be like, I don't know what to say to you, but I'm not afraid of meeting you. I'm nervous of meeting you. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I think fear you're trying to avoid versus nerves. You're like, I want to. I'm excited, but I just don't know what's going to happen. So I didn't have a specific person. But Helen, as you're talking about, like, you probably just fear yourself. I think there are situations that um, result in fear, but fear is actually self-made to some degree. Right. And. It makes me think about this one video, this motivational video that Will Smith put out. And it makes me want to do this activity, but so he was skydiving. Yeah. And he had a video where, like, there's something really incredible about jumping off this plane that you feel incredibly fearless. And I, I want to have that feeling because he said something about, like, um, I don't know if it's on the podcast, but he said bliss is on the other side of fear. Like, so much on the other side of fear is, like, such good things. Like, the ability or the want to, like, you know, pursue your passion and things like that and success. And I'm like... Damn, I really just want to feel that way because I think fear holds you back from a lot of things that you actually want to do. And all this stuff is created in your mind. Mm -hmm. I do think in some ways, Helen, you actually are really accurate when it terms like I think people are mostly probably afraid of themselves because it's it's, it's created in your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you fear as a child or teenager and how did you overcome these fears if you ever did? Are we going like deep or superficial? Oh, really? Mine is both. Both? I mean, I feared like super dark rooms. And I still do, like mm. like you ladies said too, right? Like, I hate scary movies. I cannot do them at all. That has not changed. What? what, what? I see a face. What do you is think this is face? it the unknown or like what is it that... It's the... My imagination is, is pretty vivid, especially mm. at night if I'm by myself. And anytime there's like a scene in a movie where it's like 
you're in a house and something happens. Like the last movie, I mentioned this already, the last scary movie that I really saw was The Ring. And I watched it. And it, Ooh. like, I literally had nightmares for, like, years after that. And really? only until, like, yeah. And, and now I don't because I don't allow myself to watch mm. movies like that. Because mm. I will I will literally look at my sink and be like, yep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, oh, shit. One day, oh my like, there's a hole. It's oh, a dark God. hole. <laughs> I made a face because Helen's, like, in dark rooms. I'm like, you're the one that wants to play sardines all the time in a hotel room. <laughs> you know what, though? That's funny because I actually get really, like, giddy and nervous because I, I do have a fear of it. But I'm oh. like, I still feel safe because it's my friends. Mm. But if all of you disappeared yeah. and I was the last one, I would actually be... I, I might just sit down and like, yeah. not do anything. Remember uh, during our Deary BG, we were like, who's going to be the last one to survive in like yeah. in some scenario? Oh, and yeah. I said, I would literally just go to sleep yeah. because I'd be, <laughs> I'd be too scared. So I'd go and like hide under the covers or something. But I do have a fear of that game, even though I like the thrill of it. Mm. So Sardines, if you guys aren't familiar, it's a game where literally you turn off all the lights and one person's it and everyone else is hiding in one place together. And this person who's it has to go find everyone in the dark. Helen likes to play. We played in a hotel room for her 30th birthday. And wait, wait, no, it's, yeah. it, oh, no? the game is one person hides uh-huh. and then everyone in the dark goes to seek that person. Yes. And, then oh. the, and the last person that finds them is by themselves in the dark looking for everyone. And yeah. to add on to that, when you find the person, you you collectively stay in the same place. Mm-hmm. So you try, you like at the end of the day, if you have like 10 people, there's nine people all clustered together into the small space and one person that is in the dark trying to search for these nine people. And that is the scariest thing ever. When, mm. e- cause, like, when everyone's when found. Yeah, the when there's only yeah. one person hiding, you hear everyone like like whispering like, oh, oh like where are they? Like, oh, did you go over here? Yeah. And then when those whispers die go down, away. it's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> why is there silence? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the last one. <laughs> it's a fun game. It is. I think as a child, I was also very, you know, imaginative. I loved the Harry Potter books. I read all the Harry Potter books. And when the first movie came out, I was so excited to watch it. And I watched it in theaters. And Voldemort freaked me the F mm. out. Or like, you know where the scene... Okay, spoiler. If you guys watch Harry Potter, there's a scene at the end where Professor Krull unwraps his turban. Mm. And you see this face on his head. Yeah, yeah. That image just stuck with me for so long. And I think I was like 10 when I watched the movie, right? Mm. And I slept alone in my bedroom, obviously, but I was so afraid to sleep alone because whenever I closed my eyes, I pictured that freaking mm. Voldemort face. And I can't say his name. <laughs> who he, who, what does he call? Who he cannot be named? I don't fucking know. <laughs> he, he who cannot be named. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> who, you had the right who, name who. or the right words just in a different order. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, who, you know? He, who, who. <laughs> <laughs> Am I yodeling? What's going on? <laughs> But I remember I was so afraid. So my grandpa lived with us at that time, and his bedroom was next to mine. And so I couldn't sleep, and I would grab my blankets and just put my, like, I will sleep on the foot of, like, on this floor. Because I was so, I wanted to, I can't be alone. And the way I overcame this fear is that I was like, okay, what can I do to make sure, like, this, this face isn't haunting me? So whenever I close my eyes, I picture Voldemort, like, dancing the stupid dance. And so, oh, so I just a really good cute. mental tactic. Yeah. yeah. So then I was like, okay, he's fine. Like whatever. Yeah. And so that helped me get over that fear. I couldn't do scary movies, but there's something about it now that that does excite me. It's like ooh, but I only can watch it during the day. Mm. But I definitely deal with the aftermath of watching scary movies because yeah. there are moments where literally, like, so in my house, in my living room, I feel like you guys have been there. But if you sit on one of my couches, 
Your eye line is to my hallway, this long, dark hallway. Ooh. So sometimes I look at it and I freak the F out. I'm like, what if something just magically appears? Yeah. Because you can't see. It's like the unknown, right? Yeah, yeah. Or there are moments where like I'm in the bathroom and the lights are like, you know, you're you're about to go to sleep and your lights are off and you're going to the bathroom you see the mirror? Oh, hell no. Mm. That shit freaks me Ew. out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no. Those are my little fears. As a, Actually, those are probably my fears as a child and teenager. Actually, going back to your, um, so I went to London and did like a little solo trip and I decided to watch this like long play harry potter and the cursed child and it's like a two-part like i think three hour each play oh wow i mean i had nothing else to do so i just i don't know why i spent my time doing that That's actually fun. when i think about it because i didn't i had like only 48 hours there but spoiler alert one of the last scenes is voldemort he comes in from the fucking back so um. he like walks down the middle aisle and i'm sitting at the edge and i was oh just like god. oh my god <laughs> like he is right next to me it oh. was the scariest feeling ever because he looks scary he looks yeah, ghostly yeah. they like oh. make the lighting and there's like fog and shit and i'm just like that sounds fun he's he you know how like you see it through a screen you're like fit like mentally he's the scariest person right yeah. he's the villain for him to be physically next to you is like the scariest shit ever. Yeah. I wanted to trip him to like make it <laughs> <laughs> to make it like reality. Like, oh, you know, yeah, he's he's like not uh, he's an actor, yeah, or whatever. Mm. But I didn't. That sounds real. Actually, I would love to watch. It was good. Mm. It was good. That sounds yeah. so much fun. How about Janet? So one of my earliest fears from like when I was like really really young. I think even before before I was like three uh, was clowns. And I actually don't remember where this fear came from, mm. but like I have, my parents have photos of me, like for my birthday when they got me a cake with a clown on it and I was like bawling and crying. My mom's theory is that there was like this like kind of blanket with a, a cartoon clown on it that like my dad's coworker gifted them as like a baby gift or something yeah. and she put it up on the wall. So she's like, I think for some reason like you develop this like fear of clowns. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I remember going to Circus Circus in Las Vegas with my family when I was younger and you know that they have like clowns there that go like yeah, yeah. play for the kids. And my dad was holding me and we were walking into the lobby and this clown was coming up. And he was like, ooh, it's like coming to play. And I just like freaked the fuck out. And I crawled up my dad's shoulders and over to his back. Like I was behind oh, him wow. because I was like, what is happening? So yeah, I had like a deathly fear of clowns. And I, I was just pretty chicken as a child too. Just any anything that was like jumpy or mm-hmm. like scary or ghostly. Um, and I eventually overcame. I think just you get older and then you kind of like you see clowns in like fairs and things like mm-hmm. that. And you realize they're just people acting. So the other thing, you both have expressed like fear of the unknown in darkness and also the vivid imagination. So I still like kind of sometimes have trouble falling asleep. But um, I, I did also when I was a child. And... I still remember at night like kind of not loving the nighttime because it would take me so long to fall asleep and my mom would uh, give us a nightlight. So mm-hmm. we had nightlights around in the hallway and then in each of our rooms. But what that did is it creates shadows. Yeah. And so I have – there's like hours, hours from my childhood of just sitting and staring at the ceiling, staring at the walls and like being like go to bed, go to sleep. But then I would like look at the shadows and then the longer I look – I would start to see things appear or like my Ooh. my my mind would make things yeah. out of the like shadows that are created and I just spent so many hours like terrified of that and but the way that I overcame it because there were moments where I was just like so paralyzed by fear and I was like you know what you just have to prove to yourself that nothing's there so I would stare at it long enough I'm like if something's there something will happen to me something will happen to me and I would just like stare it down and then eventually I learned nothing would happen. Mm. So it was like my first experience of kind of like quote unquote facing your fears. Yeah. But damn, so many, so many nights of like, mm. just like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> damn, you're brave. I will literally 
go to sleep. <laughs> that is that is close your eyes. That is scary because honestly, like, what would you rather have? Like, be in the dark, complete darkness, or see sh- or be in shadows? Because I think yeah, that that is hard. I don't know which one I would choose. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I actually don't know which I would choose either. I think. Ooh. I think I'll choose darkness. I think. Ooh, really? I don't know. I fuck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Should we try this tonight? No. <laughs> I think. I think I would need a little bit of light. light. Yeah. Yeah. I think my imagination would be too, too yeah. vivid to fill in the rest of it if I didn't have a little bit of light. Mm. That's true. Because you get confirmation from the light that an object is not moving. Right. Or a shadow is not moving. Right. Versus when it's complete darkness, you get no everything feedback. can be moving. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, as we're talking right now, I'm so happy we're recording this during the day. Because if it's nighttime, <laughs> I literally would freak out. Because like all, all of a sudden, like. Like, these scary like stories Images are popping in my head mm. i was gonna add to janet because I, I was like dude you know as you're talking about the clown i realized as a kid i don't know if you guys also felt this way but were you also afraid of um you know when you go to disneyland that people are dressed in characters oh those like big ass heads and stuff yeah. <laughs> sorry um as a child i used to go to hometown buffet with my family and there's one time I was there with my dad and we were eating ribs and this freaking beak, which is the mascot, came out. And I literally had him drop his plate and leave the fucking restaurant. I was so afraid. Because I was so afraid of those, like... I could see baby Mel, like, freaking out over a plate of ribs and climbing to that. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, looking back now, I feel really bad because, like, that's wasting food <laughs> and money. But, yeah, those characters really freaked me out. Oh. Like I was clown. okay with them. Oh. Like, I would go to Chuck E. Cheese and I'd, I'd be fine. I don't know. But the yeah, clowns. I was are... okay with those, too. I, I, I'm more, like... When you said that, I was thinking about like haunted houses. When people oh. come up and scare you, I will try and talk to them. Oh. You're like, oh, how's oh, your day? Yeah, how's the yeah. night going? Like, are, do you do this? What do you do like uh, other than Halloween? You know, <laughs> that actually does help them. It does. It does. It humanizes. Yeah. yeah. There's one time I did that at like Great America in NorCal, and the the I started dancing. He started dancing with me. <laughs> I do want to go on a haunted the monster house. Da- what was it? What's that song? Oh. The, the monster mash. Mash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can we? I do think we should go to a haunted house together. Hell no. Ooh, I don't no, like no, that no, no. shit. Yeah. Only if I'm in the middle of both of you, you sandwich oh, the hell God. out of me. I'm going to end up passing out and then be just dead weight. It will not Wait. be good. <laughs> we'll also just pass out and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go to sleep. Wait, I know we said this in Dear EBG, but I, mean, I kind of forgot. So, side question. Wait, so if Helen's in the middle, Jenny, you want to be front or, or the end? Oh, shit. I'd probably be at the end and just have one arm out, like waving <laughs> behind me so no one can. Yeah. Honestly, I usually would want to be in the middle or. I would, but with you two, I would probably take the front then. Yeah, oh. I can see that. See, that's why I said for that question of who would survive, I said I actually thought you would survive. Me? Because why? I, yeah, even though I feel like you, you do say you're like scarediest. Yeah. I think me, me, Janet, and I are actually more scared yeah. of things than than you are. You have like the the youth and the energy mm. <laughs> and a bit of the ignorance of the youth. <laughs> it is, it's true. <laughs> or like, no. not ignorance. It's like a little bit of the naivete. Uh, that is what naivete. they would call it. Yeah. I like that word better than ignorant. <laughs> Skillshare is a sponsor of today's episode of Asian Boss Girl. For all you creative and curious people out there, all you beginners, pros, dabblers, and masters, Skillshare has something for you. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes. And with so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. At a time when so many important conversations are happening in our world, your voice is more essential than ever. So explore classes to unlock your creativity for social good. 
One of the classes that I really enjoyed taking was by Penny Lane titled Filmmaking from Home Turn Found Footage into a Compelling Video. As someone who was never completely comfortable in front of or behind the camera, learning from someone who has the expertise and the technique down is a really great way to boost my skills in this area. And hopefully, you're enjoying more of our self-edited videos over on our Asian Boss Girl YouTube channel. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com ABG10, and the first thousand people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. Again, the first thousand people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. Head to Skillshare.com ABG10. For me, I am always looking for ways to make my life easier and more efficient. The ability to offload even the smallest tasks can free up my mental space and make a really big difference. One thing that I've been loving is the convenience of turning on my lights with the power of my voice through Alexa. And right now, Amazon Alexa is offering a special smart lighting bundle for our listeners. When I enter my house, I just say, Alexa, turn on the lights, and then it just turns on. It's kind of like if I had a boyfriend and he turned on the lights for me, you know, it feels nice. You know, the setup was super easy. Just connect your new smart bulb to the Echo Dot and you're all set. You can set every possible mood to, you know, set the mood for yourself with over 60 minute light colors to choose from. You can also set lighting routines to gently wake you up in the morning, help you wind down at night, or completely turn off at a certain time. Right now, you can get 20% off your Amazon Smart Lighting Bundle only at Amazon.com ABG. Every bundle includes an Echo Dot smart speaker and a Singled Color Changing Light Bulb. That's Amazon.com ABG to get 20% off and take advantage of this amazing smart home deal. Amazon.com ABG. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. Tell me about a time when you were confronted with a very significant fear, and how did you react? All right, I guess we're going deep with this one. I think I'm afraid deeply of lack of direction in my life. I'm, I like, I'm a type A, I like control, and so I think I felt this fear the most when I ended my internship with Wang Fu, when that mm. internship ended. At that point, I feel like I didn't know what else to do for work. Like, here I am landing my dream internship, and it didn't turn into a full-time gig, and I just didn't know what else to do, because like... I think at that time when you're younger, you only have one dream and one aspiration. So when you hit it, you're like, you don't know what else is next. And on top of that, during that time, I had a mentor like figure that I had in LA at a time where I didn't really have anyone else. I had no new friends. All my friends were back at home in the Bay Area. And this person I kind of like trusted and looked up to 
me and her had a falling out, and I think the falling out came from a misjudge of my character, and I think that also tears me apart. Like, one, yes, a lack of direction, but two, like, I try to be as real and genuine to who I am, and if someone were to just kind of twist that in a way where that's not who I really truly am, and see me as someone else, it really gets to me, because I'm just like, I don't know what else to tell you that this is really not who, this is really me, but you're seeing me in this negative way. Mm. And so, I remember feeling really, really empty during this time. Because one, I didn't know where else to go, and two, I feel like I'm in a foreign place where no one really knows who I am. And I remember crying a lot. Like, I was um, just isolated. My friends would try to take me out to karaoke, and I would just cry in the karaoke room. And I would call my mom a lot, and then I would actually just drive up to NorCal so many times just because I wanted to be around friends who were familiar with me. And luckily, it was like a a five-and-a-half-hour drive, but doing that like every three weeks kind of was stupid. Um, and the thing I did to, I guess, how I reacted to that was, um, I think when you're trying to find direction, you kind of just say yes to things that sound semi-interesting. And so I would take on jobs that I'm like, I don't know if I like this, but sure, I'll, I'll try it out. And that's when I actually started working at this PR firm doing social media analytics. And I also started producing at that time, like freelance producing and working for YouTubers. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know what the fuck a producer was, any of that stuff. But I will say looking back though, I'm happy I was able to take a step any step forward because that corporate like that internship I did at the PR firm really helped set the foundation for my social media jobs like in the years Mm. to come and and then I started going on tour um and I realized like that going on tour that experience is like one it's like a once in a lifetime experience and has like brought me like some of my closest friends like Justin the J.R. twins Mm. and so I feel very fortunate for that but it came from a time of feeling really low Mm. and so that's when I feel like I was dealing with the fear Mm. Oh, also, sorry, the one thing I did, another thing I want, I want to add that I did learn from that situation, especially from the falling out, I learned, I learned how to rely on myself and not be dependent on someone else for a sense of purpose, mm. you know, or direction. So that's when I really turned to journaling and I really learned how to cherish my friendships back at home. And even now, like when I, I think when I started getting close to you two, I feel really, really grateful that you guys actually saw me for me and still and loved me and wanted to be my friend for who I am as Mel because having someone really just like kind of just tear your character apart, it really just sucks, you know? And so for you guys appreciating me and me being stupid and whatever, naivete, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I just I, I just really appreciate it, you know? Aw. Yeah. We appreciate you. <laughs> How about you two? Let's see. A time when I confronted with a very significant fear. This is probably a pretty common one and one that a lot of Asian American people can relate to. Uh, But I would say from junior high through my early work years, my greatest fear was failure. Um, And I kind of used the default definitions of success um, and thus default definitions of failure that, you know, society provided and that, you know, what was based on the schooling system, workplaces, and and society in general. Um, So for me, you know, the kind of set up and scary moment was when I left my first secure job for something else. I describe it to people like I had a bag of marbles that I was holding up and I cut a snip into the bottom and the marbles just came pouring out and there's no way that I could stop it. I made a decision and took an action that could not be reversed, right? Mm. You lost your marbles. Yeah, I lost my marbles. I mean, kind of along the way a little bit, figuratively Mm. and literally. Um, but I would say at first it was like exciting, right? It's like, it's a month and I'm exploring and, you know, I'm trying to figure things out. And then it was like, okay, three months pass and I still haven't totally nailed down a direction, but I've gained some intern experience at this thing I was doing. And then six months pass and I'm like, okay, this direction isn't working out. 
um, okay, then, you know, plan B, like I need to make a big pivot and try a totally different field. So I go through all of this effort to research and to apply to a program and go through the program, move across the country, make a decision to like change whatever it was. And many months into this, I've finished that program and I'm interviewing for jobs and I have this oh shit feeling inside, like something feels off. This is not kind of the right direction, but I can't go back now. I've invested all this time, but also if I go deeper into this wrong direction, am I going to end up exactly where I started? Basically, all this stuff is happening, and I suddenly find myself back in Orange County, living in my parents' home, now having been jobless for three years. And I really hit like kind of this rock bottom place where I felt like I have ultimately failed, right? I definitely went through a period of sulking, of trying to cope with these really negative feelings of shame, confusion, anger, and sadness. Uh, And I did eventually, you know, find a job and kind of ate my ego a bit and the job was not ideal it was you know less pay than I wanted it was not the quite like cultural work environment that I wanted but I kind of just kept going but of course even having to keep going um I was going to work every day like just feeling really unhappy but trying to just like keep pushing and moving forward and it kind of continued this way and so I would say how I reacted was like I kind of did let myself feel the emotions, but I also fought them a lot. I resisted th- these feelings of like, of um, of letting myself fully like admit to failure, of letting myself fully feel sad. In hindsight, I wish that I had just kind of like let myself experience those feelings more and more quickly because on the other side of just letting myself admit that I failed was survival. And it was to know that like eventually if I just kept going that I would find an industry that did work for me and find a job and work up in that job to a place that of what I was aiming for. So I guess I tell that story as more of like facing what in my past was the biggest fear. Once your greatest fear happens and you survive, that fear is kind of eliminated. Mm. Mm. That's a good one. Damn, that was that was very deep. I think both of your uh, fears are, you know, about like failure and direction. I'm just like, yeah, those are very, very real and good fears to have. Um, but it's good to also hear that you are both sort of on the other side of that and you've learned from that and you've grown from that. And I can see it too in both of you, like the confidence that you've built, right? Um, for me, I guess this is more of a situational thing mm-hmm. and you know, you both know this already and people know this already. I have a fear of public speaking. That is probably one of the few things in my life that give me actual anxiety and the physical reactions of anxiety, which include like the heart palpitations, the shortness of breath, the sweatiest fuck armpits, <laughs> like my brain just screaming at me like danger, danger, don't do it. Get off the stage. You don't belong there, you know, and my head literally starts to like black out a little bit and I forget everything that I prepared for as much as I prepared for it. And I might have said this in the past, but it, I think it did stem from this one declamation class that I had in eighth grade, which was part of my English class, and it was an entire grade on your report card. And it was based on how well you could memorize a poem or a speech and recite it back to your class. And it just gave me the worst anxiety because I remember there was this one kid in our class and he had a stutter. And I felt oh, it was just like so hard to see him up there just like stumbling through the whole thing. Mm. And it's hard because everyone in class like, we're giggling and you can't sometimes you can't hold in the giggles yeah so I saw how much that was like a detriment to him yeah and I think my takeaway from that also is that people will laugh at you if you fuck up yeah Mm. and so I think like psychologically that is just not a good class to have right especially for like kids who are who are still so young and so insecure yeah I think 
how I overcame that, like, fuck, like, I, I'm still overcoming it, right? We've done a, a dozen speaking engagements now for ABG, and I think I do a pretty good job of looking like I have my, my shit together up there, but it, it's still my biggest fear, I would say. I think it does take just trusting myself more and more, and each time I finish one of those speaking events, I actually think to myself, like, hey, you're actually pretty good at this, like, off-the-cuff stuff and being engaging and having fun with the audience if you can just be yourself. Hmm. So I think that's also where the whole ego versus soul thing that I mentioned earlier comes into play. Like, if I just learn to trust myself more, I, I can actually be pretty good at this. And I think that takes time and it takes repetition. And like you were saying too, Janet, it just takes, like, this stuff just, you just have to go through it and, and learn from it. Yeah, there's a part of me that also feels like with ABG... This is sort of our future if we want to be sort of the protagonists of our stories and telling our stories. I have to be not afraid of facing my fear of telling my story. Mm. So, yeah, I guess I'm doing it right now. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, before every speaking event, all three of us get very nervous. But it wasn't until, yeah, I had private time with you after I realized, oh, you actually have physical reactions to this. Because public speaking is legitimately, like, a big fear for some people. And it Mm -hmm. causes, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So when I knew, because you hold it together quite well. Very well. Yeah, and and you do do very well on stage. But then... Yeah, when you were telling me, you're like, no, literally, like, feel my palms right now. And yeah. I was like, oh, she's, like, having a physical reaction yeah. to this. So, I literally had, yeah. like, mini panic attacks, I think, before. Yeah. And I didn't know what a panic attack was until, like, I learned more about it yeah. them. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I have panic attacks when I go out there. Okay, that's what that is. But you're doing wonderful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Trying. No, you're right. Whenever we have a speaking agent, I think all of us are just like, a moment of silence, please, as everyone prepares in a corner of the room by themselves. And that's actually, kind of, I think it's really cute. But um, for me, I'm always like on stage with you, but I'm just like, that was, you're just so good. Like, that was so good. Like, both yeah. of y'all. And I'm like, that's why I'm also surprised when you, when, like, when you're saying you, your, your fear of speaking, of public speaking, I'm just like, Kellen, you're really good on stage. Yeah. Like, you're really good at speaking. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like, always, I'm always after I'm just like, that was so good, Helen. What the hell? Yeah. But also, the fear is not necessarily, um, like about being good or not right it's just being up there yeah i think it's yeah yeah so i understand that it's weird because when i first go on there i will literally be, have that like you, and you i fucking hate the fucking quiver in my throat too because you can hear <laughs> my fear when it comes out and i try so hard to suppress it i'm like breathe swallow <laughs> speak <laughs> but then i think after a certain period of time like i can get comfortable up there mm. and when i do that's when i feel like i'm just like thriving you're like in so, flow yeah i don't know how to get there faster though and I think it does just take repetition. Yeah. Know, just, yeah. Just keep doing it and building the confidence. And I think there was one time where we were on stage uh, and I had to kind of let myself be like free flowing and just talk. And I think I had mentioned something about like Steve Jobs in the context of him still being alive. And I remember hearing the audience go, oh, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit, like this is my worst fear happening right now you know imposter syndrome and like everything all of these fears just like hitting me at one time like a fucking wall and i remember just looking at you ladies like <gasps> i owned up to the fact that i was wrong and then just try to like move it on as fast as i could but i was freaking out inside <laughs> yeah but i think that's the best way is to not ignore it just address it like i said this wrong and then you kind of yeah yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but like to see the the faces of like all the students and they were just like <gasps> you're like oh shit <laughs> oh shit <laughs> um, am i dreaming am i dreaming wake up wake up <laughs> all right ladies the next question is what fear do you currently have that you wish you could overcome and how do you think you can overcome this fear mine's gonna go deep but not very long or it not deep it just is more serious deep, I guess. like a chode <laughs> <laughs> did you say deep like a chode 
that's not deep <laughs> yeah that's true i was wrong very short <laughs> I just to the end. Yeah, it's an ironic it. statement okay wait it's gonna go deep but not long hmm. <laughs> or it'll be serious but pretty short okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh penis analogies okay <laughs> this episode is about fear by the way <laughs> fear of toads <laughs> fear of- <laughs> all right i'll stop i'm sorry Ooh, okay a fear that i currently have that i wish or i'm gonna cross my fingers and say i hope i can overcome or maybe this is i will live a lifetime being able to overcome and then having to meet it again um i do have a fear of being uh stuck in a state of depression forever um not i mean i think not necessarily being in deep deep depressive state but there is something about knowing that i have a tendency towards like a light level of depression that kind of makes me feel like oh I have to deal with this for the rest of my life and that kind of scares me a bit but how I think I can overcome this fear is to always hold on to the fact that I have tools at my disposal that I know that work uh one of them being movement one of them meditation and one of them being therapy that's my short serious and not very long Oh, you. <laughs> Ooh, yes. So for anyone out there who's also kind of going through stuff, um, it's okay to be scared and uh, you have tools at your disposal. Yeah. <laughs> How's it feel to say that? Oh, that's actually the very first time I've addressed that to you ladies even, I think, in, in person. So one of the interesting things is like, I think we've talked about therapy and mental health in a lot of other episodes. And I feel that I've had a pretty open relationship with mental health for almost a decade now just with people in my life and then also with myself personally but it wasn't until probably uh when covid started that i started seeing um i i I started or at that point i had now seen like three therapists who i had all gotten kind of like similar feedback from um and so for me to recognize like hey i might have like a condition that is um kind of like innately uh i don't it's not i don't know if you would say by a lot but there might be a biochemical uh component to it that did kind of scare me not scare me but I think for the longest time I always thought of it as oh I'm someone who's prone to periods of depression but I did not think of it as I have a general state of of light depression always Mm. and I think having that uh brought up as a possibility was like oh okay this is something that like I'm kind maybe I just have to like learn to live with but I also feel very fortunate that at least in the current state it is in a very manageable state and that I have tools right Mm -hmm. yeah so I think that's why it's like oh I reached a new stage of of knowing about my mental health only in the last six months Mm. but yeah (laughs) yeah that's fine next (laughs) (laughs) I know that feeling (laughs) okay move on stop looking at me (laughs) well uh, I think as you were saying that I was actually thinking about like my real fear Mm. because I put down like oh public speaking um which is still a fear that I'm working through but I also I think similarly have a a real fear of the whole just like ego versus soul thing and I'm just gonna say that 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 is what it is to simplify the things that I am going through Um, and it has taken therapy and a lot of also tools that you can use but I was actually just thinking a couple days ago I think both of you have watched the show Modern Love right? Amazon? Yeah, the New oh, York I Times have, one. Did you I have not seen it. You haven't seen it, but you saw it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just watched the third episode, the one with Anne Hathaway. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? So good. And I didn't think that it was going to affect me as much as it did. I was literally, like, I think 
I cried during after that episode the most that I had ever cried watching something in a long period of time. Wow. Okay. And it's because so it's about a girl who has bipolar disorder, and mm-hmm. I don't have bipolar disorder, but I think there are parts of that show and the feelings and emotions that she has gone through, and the sort of like perfectionism side that she puts out into the world and also just the inner turmoil that she feels Mm -hmm. within her own walls Mm -hmm. and i was just like wow there are parts of here that yes are my my feelings as well but in a very exaggerated way because it's in in the in the show Mm -hmm. but i'm just like i felt like exposed a little bit Mm. and as you were talking janet there is a part of me that also feels like i want to be able to overcome these things that I personally also have been going through um and it's a scary thing yeah. to not to not be certain like when you're actually going to get there yeah and mm. Hathaway actually did a, a, a she phenomenal did a good job, job. at mm. first I was like what is going on exactly. this is a weird ass episode mm-hmm. and then towards the end I was just like oh, wow that yeah. was so beautiful and painful to watch mm. but there's something about the episode about when it comes to fear I think about like how people are always everyone we know is probably going through something that we're not aware of and there's a level of kind of like acceptance of this is my reality and I'm going to learn how to live with this. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something, I don't want to say like ugly but beautiful, but like that is the reality of life. I think cause in some ways when we're younger, life is painted in such a beautiful way that yeah. that you don't really get to see the real raw things that people are actually going through. Mm-hmm. And so I think that episode did, did a good job of acknowledging that. It's kind of like what you said with, you know, what you're battling with, with your depression is that it's something I'm living with, but I need to learn how to live with it mm-hmm. now. Not something I can't maybe fully get rid of it, but how do I live alongside with this and mm-hmm. create this create this relationship that that's working for both of us? Mm-hmm. Kind of like my therapist said, like she said, you know, when where people are living with these, you know, whether it's you know depression or maybe you're fighting your ego, these are these are things you can't really get rid of, but you can learn how to build a relationship with it, like a more po- like I guess positive relationship with it. And so as you guys are talking, I think that's very true to mm-hmm. that statement she told me. Yeah, I think there's a part of the show where um, it's the acceptance part yeah. of it too, mm-hmm. where she finally accepts it and shares it yeah. with people, and she just like goes on a spree of like sharing it with like all her all of her exes that yeah. she had bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and. Um, and also I think the spoiler alert, I guess, but at the end she kind of just like emails everyone about everything that she is, you yeah. know, it's like, if you accept me for me, then reach out to me yeah. if you want to date me, Yeah, you know, for all of the ugliness and, and the beauty that has come out of it too. So yeah, yeah. it's a really good episode. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mel? I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out mine. I feel like I have a lot of insecurities. So I'm trying to think about where did my insecurities stem from in terms of fear, I think one of my fears that I'm trying to overcome, and these are things I, for my fears, I go in and out of them. There are moments where I feel it deeply and there are times I'm just like, feel it mildly. I think one of my fears is not, I'm afraid that I won't ever be truly deeply loved by someone. I think it's because, um, in terms of like a partnership, haven't said I love you to someone and truly mean it. I don't, I don't remember the last time, maybe it's my first relationship in high school, but I also think about when you're in high school, it's like puppy love. And so I don't know how it really feels to say, I love you to a partner. Like to have, I think it's a different type of love you give to your significant other versus like a family member or friends. And I've never experienced that in my, like, I can't remember when. You know, and I also fantasize so much. And I think about this ideal relationship I really want. And I think I'm afraid that I need to actually lower my expectations a lot. Because this idea that I have in my head, I'm not going to actually be able to get it. It's this kind of realization that I'm wondering if, is this the self-confidence that I built throughout these, throughout, you know, my young adulthood into now, is it going to have to, do I have to build myself down actually? Because I do think for me, self-confidence is something I naturally had. I had to work at to be, build a self-confidence. So 
I think sometimes it's like this real this realization like or this thought like oh maybe I'm not as amazing as I thought I would I am actually and maybe the people I think that I want to be with don't see me this way so I actually truly am not that way and that's something I need to kind of I'm kind of going or working towards so self-confidence is something I feel like I come in and out of and I I talk to my therapist about it saying like there's sometimes I feel like really amazing and feel really proud of my accomplishments and who I am but there are also times where I'm like I don't know if this is actually my true self that people see or maybe I, I, I maybe I put out into the world this fake self-confident Mel, but in reality, that's not who she really is. And that's something I'm trying to overcome myself. And um, that's just the way I go overcome this is reminding myself, you know, when the right time comes, the right person will come because that, that has happened in the past. And um, just like words of affirmation I try to, you know, journal about. This also relates to um, my other fear, which I learned through our Enneagram or our personality. Oh, was it the Enneagram? The Enneagram test. I fear that I'm not valuable. And I think the self-confidence does play into that. Um, I think it's been a really weird time. Um, and this is stuff that I kind of, looking back at my past and, you know, my different friendship groups and the things I worked on, I f- I'm scared that I'm just not, yeah, I, I don't put in the right work. I'm not valuable as a person, uh, as part of this trio. I don't think people talk about openly how, you know, as much as I love ABG and my other friendship groups that I'm part of, when you're part of a group, and it's really natural for maybe just for me, I compare myself so easily and all the time in comparison. Like Helen said in the previous episode, like comparing yourself is... A, comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah, comparison is a thief of joy. And that's something I actually do all the time. It sucks, but I, I do think that's something I need to learn how not to do. It's a it's a shitty behavior. And I'm not going to lie that this also comes from working in social media. You know, I've been working in social for how many years now? And when you're scrolling all the time online, you're constantly comparing yourself naturally, whether you like to admit it or not. And I I do think it does affect my psyche to a little bit. So that's why I try to turn off and I have difficulty turning off. And I also think um, the way I'm tackling this is that I'm trying to reflect and acknowledge that I can act this way sometimes. And it is. And it's also weird because when you're affirming yourself, you don't want to be like, I'm amazing because A, B, and C. Because you want to be humble and all you don't want to brag right and so I think it's a thing where like oh I, I don't want to brag about myself but I I should be excited and acknowledge my traits when I can and another thing I do to um, overcome this fear is I'm, I'm I'll admit it I seek validation through YouTube then hey um, I need words of affirmation right now so when I need things I will I'm not afraid to ask for it mm. um, and so yeah just actively working towards overcoming this fear of you know not being loved and not seeing myself as invaluable that is something I want to overcome. I think that's a very natural, like deeply human fear, right? Like when you boil down, a lot of these things come from like a place of feel- fearing that you either will not be loved or you're not good enough to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, what I really like is that you have these very distinct ways that you want to kind of like, where you are, you're like, I'm not going to be afraid to ask for validation for myself. Um, yeah, and continue doing that. To- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's not, yeah, and I think it's, like, how, what is the difference between confidence versus cockiness? Yeah. What do you think is the difference? I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out, like. I think confidence is when you recognize something that's, like, more factual and grounded. Mm-hmm. Maybe cockiness is when you're, like, you're inflated perspective mm. of yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I've always been someone that's been attracted and I try to emulate this is that with confidence is like something I don't have to tell you all the time. Like I don't have to prove mm. to you, prove to anyone that I'm I'm confident. You'll just see, just you, you'll just know by seeing. Mm. Versus That's I think a lot of cocky people say, oh, look at me, look at this, look, oh. at, look at what I've earned. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, I get really turned off by that. Yeah. 
So it's just more like how you display it, maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a part of just like hearing your fears. And uh, I know I'm probably speaking for on behalf of myself and Janet. It's like, I wish you could see yourself through our eyes because mm-hmm. you're <laughs> incredibly ah. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> these words of affirmation are making her go into her shirt right now <laughs> cover her face okay i'm not wearing a bra <laughs> i was like yeah i'm not wearing a bra no but like seriously though mally like when you say i want to i think i need to lower my st-, i'm like no like these th- he's he's out there you know yeah. like and you just haven't found him yet so i hope that you're not going into this world of lowering your expectations she's hiding behind a chair now yeah how's it feel to feel awkward and in your feelings <laughs> i already cried in this season I, I mean that a lot though i think we see you in a very amazing light yeah, yeah. And I, I really appreciate it Emel, i also want you to know that like so i know because you know you talk about the in terms of looking for a partner and feeling like you know do i need a lower expectation but when you have these insecurities about am I putting enough work right I want you to know that that is a completely natural like insecurity to have like I still have that insecurity as well so know that you're like not alone in that but also know that in reality I'm telling you you put in a lot of work Mm. right and so have confidence in when you're giving your all I want you to be able to get to a place where you can recognize that and be like that is enough that's more than enough yeah I appreciate that stop We love you, Mel Mel. Yeah. And I think I can, I can speak on behalf of myself, Janet, and everyone else listening yeah. in right now. For real. I did not expect this <laughs> to cry. Damn it. Damn it. Ladies, I just got off the phone with my BetterHelp therapist earlier today, and I'm honestly so thankful that there's a virtual option like this out there, and also one that is available for our listeners worldwide. BetterHelp is an online counseling service. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling done securely online. I've worked with therapists in the past, and when Shelter in Place started earlier this year, I signed up for BetterHelp and found the virtual component incredibly helpful. Like Mel said, they assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You have the option of selecting a counselor who does messaging, phone calls, or video sessions, whatever you feel most comfortable with. Plus, you can change counselors at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in those uncomfortable waiting rooms as with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Visit betterhelp.com abg10. That's better H-E-L-P and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. They have a special offer just for ABG listeners where you can get 10% off your first month. Try it out at betterhelp.com abg10. I know a lot of you have been asking us, how are you staying fit without being able to go to the gym nowadays? Well, I wanted to introduce you to Tempo. It's the first home system that uses 3D sensors and machine learning to analyze your motion and provide real-time rep counting, form feedback, and weight recommendations. One of the features I've really liked about Tempo is that it has an AI-powered 3D sensor that corrects your form in real time. So it'll tell you if your knees are too far over your toes in a squat or if you're leaning too far back on a standing shoulder press. 
Tempo has a 42-inch HD touchscreen and streams live and on-demand classes, and it comes with dumbbells and a lifting bar with 115 pounds in total. The weights itself are so different from any other at-home fitness system out there. You can review your workout stats, suggested classes, and leadership board rankings on the Tempo Studio or with the Tempo iPhone app. And there are over 500 live and on-demand classes for strength training, HIIT, cardio, mobility, and recovery. Purchase Tempo for $0 down and finance as low as $55 a month for 36 months. Check them out at tempo.fit and use code ABG for $100 off. That's T-E-M-P-O dot F-I-T and be sure to use promo code ABG to save $100. Tempo.fit, code ABG. Last question for you ladies. What advice would you give someone, uh, for example, a good friend, who said they were too afraid to pursue their dreams because they could fail? I'll answer this in the context of I'm afraid to pursue my dreams in quitting my job and going Mm -hmm. for my dream. I think that if you are not going to compromise your health and if you have the financial means to take the step, then go for it. I think the sooner, the better. As someone who is probably more realistic and practical than a dreamer, I would say put together a plan and put together a financial runway of how much do you have left in the bank and how much do you have in your savings and put together a business model or plan, put together a team of people that you trust. And once you have the foundations in place, I would say just go for your dreams, like go for it fast, go for it hard. I think sometimes when you quit something stable and pursue something you want, and I think I felt this for ABG too, but you're kind of like one foot in and one foot out because you're either thinking like oh i'm my own boss and i can chill that sort of feeling or you don't want to believe that this is the thing that you are sort of relying on and you don't want to show people that you're putting all your eggs into this one basket in case it fails because this thing now represents you and i think i had a little bit of both of these feelings during our uh, initial journey into abg full-time and i realized that you just really need to dive right in. Like once you have all the practicality stuff in place, financial, whatever, like just go into it because you're going to learn so much more from that journey of diving in than always wondering what if, and that is not a good feeling to live with. So that would be my piece of advice. I feel like a lot of people always just go for it, you know, but like, yeah, yeah, I mean, think about it, talk to people about it, create a plan and then go for it. A couple more steps there instead of just go for it. (laughs) No, that's, I think that's really, really beautifully articulated and very good advice. I agree. You kind of took my notes. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I wrote down, I would say realistically create a plan. Um, I think that's something we actually talk about this a lot because people ask us this question and I think the difference between what we answer maybe versus other people is that Helen's saying go for it. We say go for it, but we always say make a plan before going for it because I think, you know, you want to make sure you're creating kind of like a a map for how to do this. You might not know the the right direction, but if you create a plan, at least you have some kind of direction, right? For me, I I wrote create a plan and give yourself a time frame to actually go for it and set goals, like goals that you can realistically kind of hit. Maybe like talk to three people in the industry, like things like that. Um, I think when you set a time frame, you're not aimlessly just kind of going for something, not knowing when to like realistically check yourself, right? So I would also add to the plan, give yourself a time frame. Maybe it's a year to try to see how where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I said, go for it. I feel like you learn, <laughs> <laughs> but with a, with a plan and a time frame. I feel like you learn a lot about yourself when you take that leap of faith and the fear that you have turns into excitement and nerves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, you know, lie and say it's easy. It's not. It's tough. But at the end of it, I think it's really worth it because whether, let's say, you get that dream or not, on along the way, you create a very strong backbone, which can help you overcome your other fears. And I think that's something I learned 
throughout, you know, pursuing ABG and other things before ABG. Honestly, growing up, I did not have a very strong backbone. I was, I'm sensitive, as you guys can tell. I was already crying from this episode. People would always tell me growing up, like, Mel, you got to get a stronger backbone if you want to work in entertainment or you want to do all this stuff. And so I think I was able to actually learn to get a stronger backbone. I'm just thinking about a whale at this point. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I was able to, like, gain that strong mentality by actually choosing to pursue this, not knowing what was going to happen, but pursuing that. The pursuit created these other like really cool other uh, skills and traits that I, I don't take for granted definitely read the alchemist if mm. that is also they also teach you to go for it but what you're going to learn and get out of going for it is more what you're going to learn during the journey that actually the destination of where you actually want to be you both gave incredibly thorough and beautiful um words of advice i actually wasn't thinking about this in, in context of someone asking us to leave a job um and i my answer was with one quote um, that I heard from, uh, it was Jim Carrey's commencement speech mm. for, I don't remember what college it was, uh, but he said, you can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. And mm. he said this in the context of telling the story about how his father um, always had resisted his pursuit of his dream to do something more practical. I think he went into like accounting or something and he's like, and then at the end, at the age of like 40 or 50, my dad was laid off and he lost everything. So he's like, he took the safe route and he still lost everything. Mm, That's a good quote. Thanks for joining us for this Halloween-inspired episode where we shared our fears, everything from the seemingly silly to the very deep and serious. We hope this encourages you to think a little more deeply about your fears, to have conversations with your friends and family about them, and to maybe develop a plan to face some of your fears. We have some partnerships that we want to share with you all, BetterHelp, Ritual Vitamin, Daily Harvest, and more. The links and codes you can use for a discount can be found in our show notes. For more partnership discounts, head to our website. And you can find us on all the podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review, please, at Asian Boss Girl. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can do so at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support. We are also very active on social. Our handle is at asianbossgirl. If you enjoyed the episode today, screen cap the podcast, tag us with your biggest fear, and we may reshare on our IG story. Find us on YouTube where we answer your listener-submitted questions on a show called Dear ABG, which releases every Sunday. It's basically like our second podcast, and now you can see our faces. So make sure you subscribe to our channel at Asian Boss Girl. You can also check out our latest collection of merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. And we have some quick shout-outs from our listeners from May C. Yang. Happy birthday to one of my best friends, Kalor. She wants to say thank you for being a light in her life. And Rashi, your fiancé, Mayank, wants to wish you a happy birthday and let you know that he cannot wait to see you. If you'd like to give a shout-out to a special ABG listener in your life, send us an email at shoutouts at asianbossgirl.com. That's shoutouts with an S at asianbossgirl.com. And for a longer shout-out, you can also find us on Cameo. And thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. Catch us on the next episode. Bye! Bye. Ooh. Ooh.